0: scores! scores! The final three left! Off the glass, to left corner to a gintla. A the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by all the gintla. Three-bounds. Another shot. They score! The
1: Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red
0: erupts! talk starts now on sportsnet 960 the fan here's pat steinberg and wes gilbertson all right
1: happy monday let's get it going this hour of flames talk is underway look who we wrangled in wes gilbertson is in our doug Lacey's basement systems downtown studio on this monday september 11th steinberg along with you as well hello wes Hey buddy, how are you? I'm okay, man. Are you the guy that had my
0: access card to the studio deactivated? Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering. I didn't want to tell you.
1: I thought that would be enough of a hint. Is if this you, like a surprise party? You charmed your way in and somehow got <laughs> on the air. <laughs> What's going on? Dare to dream, kids.
0: Dare I to dream. T-
1: I couldn't tell you no one. If two-
0: I can get in this building, who can't?
1: We were just gonna, I was just going to do the show solo and then as well. Alright, next up we'll tell Wes. I don't wanna hurt his feelings. He was so proud of himself because he charmed his way in. Uh well, you're here.
0: Might as well talk some flames hockey.
1: Is um Is is training camp underway? Is this week one of training camp? Is that fair? We got a rookie camp announcement earlier on this Monday with rosters, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um like is this week one of training camp? Is that fair? You're the judge on this yeah. one. I don't wanna I don't want to overstep.
0: For me, the Calgary Flames Celebrity Charity Classic Golf Tournament, which runs Wednesday, yep, is the start of the, the season. That's the start. Okay, that's that's the end of my golf season and the start of their hockey season. That's how I look at it.
1: Have you? Uh, are you playing on Wednesday?
0: No, no. I'm going to be uh, looking to charm my way onto the radio. What do you think?
1: You have to work your way into the Saddle Dome because we're doing the show from
0: the Saddle Dome. <laughs> a little tighter on. security down there, but I'll do my best. Have they seen your face before? At the Saddle Dome? Yeah. yeah. I might have been down there once or twice.
1: In fact, I'm quite looking forward to Wednesday's show. It's a uh, it's good one. It's uh, similar to that. There's there's a couple days a year where you get kind of the uh, the rights holder flex on Flames Access, and it's the poker tournament, um, green garbage bag day or locker clean out day um and then the golf tournament because everybody comes back to the dome and right like last year they just uh, I, we had like this this rapid fire set last year of lindholm came in and rasmus came in and uh noah hannafin came in and there's like manjapani came and just like back to back to back to back Packlin came in you're like okay yeah it's um that'll do i think that'll that'll get us some hits on the old podcast that'll, yeah. that'll perk some ears up so i'm looking forward to that Wednesday. i mean
0: there's a buzz in this city, and not that there's not always a buzz about the Flames, but it feels like hockey season. Everywhere you go, people want to ask you, what do you think of the Flames? What's happening with this guy? What's happening with these contracts? Do you think they could be a playoff team? It's building, and it's hockey season, yep. and I think there's a ton of people that are just so excited it's back
1: okay so we have officially determined that this is week one of training camp i uh, feel confident now that wes has confirmed that um and we'll get into e5 e5 that's that's high um (laughs) we'll we'll dive in on this rookie camp list kind of in-depth in just a few minutes, but just skimming the surface. When you saw it earlier on this Monday, what names jumped out at you or what positions, Any anything specifically, they are like, okay, it's it's really not all that different than what we saw during Stampede at the development camp. A few less names because NCAA kids, uh, some of the European products won't be here because their domestic seasons or their college seasons are already underway. But not—I don't know if there's any like massive surprises of this grouping. But um, anything that really jumped out at you when you took a look at this group?
0: No, just that it—it's a real continuation of of the direction we've seen the Flames go in terms of really restricting this to younger players. You know, as of the past few years, and there's always a couple of exceptions or or potential for that but in the last few years we've seen development camp and the rookie tournament really be you've only played one pro season or less and so right I didn't expect I I don't know that it makes sense to have a Dustin Wolf or a Connor Zary in Penticton at this point in their career I, I admittedly don't know exactly what the the sort of rules on rosters for the rookie tournament are but that that was I guess the first thing that jumped out of me is this this is a really young group it's a really inexperienced group and a lot of the prospects we're probably most intrigued by have now graduated from yep. this group so don't get me wrong there's a few names on the list that uh, I'm curious about there's obviously the headliners in, in Coronado and and Hanszek and Jeremy Poirier. For the most part, the guys you see in Penticton, this is a, a younger crowd, a bunch of juniors, quite a few tryout invites this year. And so not a ton of guys we might expect
1: to make a, an impact. Immediately. Immediately, yeah. Text lines open, 960, 960. I'm curious as to the uh, text lines' thoughts on what we're about to get into. Because when I think about... So, so the Flames play their first preseason game. I don't know again this is this preseason game minus 3 or preseason like preseason game minus 3 on on Friday when they take on the Canucks and Penticton which we will have for you live right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Brendan Parker and company will be on the call. So uh, you can watch all the Penticton Youngstars Stars Classic uh, games, which are Friday and Saturday night for Calgary. They'll play Vancouver, then Edmonton, then wrap up with Winnipeg on Monday morning, 10 a.m. in uh, BC or 11 a.m. here in Calgary. So all three games we will carry for you on Sportsnet 960. The fan, they will have for you uh, on the Flames website, YouTube, so on and so forth. They will be streamed. Ryan Dietrich and his crew, uh, the Flames are basically the, um, they are the godfathers of this streaming. So the Canucks host the tournament and the Flames take care of the streaming. So they'll have it all for you uh, every single game, including all three the Flames play. But so when I think about this and when I think of this Young Stars Classic and this year's rookie camp, all I can think of is this 42-second quote from Craig Conroy when he was introduced as the new general manager back on May 23rd. I think we're going to add some youth in the lineup. You know, like Don said, my big thing has been drafting, watching players, you know, and what I've watched and learned is you need young players in the team. You need that excitement. You need that, you know, what they bring day in and day out. And it's nothing against the older players, but when you watch the league, you see what these kids are doing at 15, 16, 17 years old. I can't even imagine doing that. And so, you know, you have to bring that into your team. You have to give them a chance. You have to give them an opportunity. And it might not be seamless all the time. And it's easier to play veteran players, but we need to kind of move forward. And, and we're, we have a salary cap, you know, and young players definitely help the salary cap. All right, Conroy. Pressure's on now. We have <laughs> receipts. I kid. I kid, of course. But here we are. As rookie camp begins, their first on-ice session is Thursday and then they will travel out Thursday evening, land in Penticton, play their first game, do a morning skate on Friday and play their first game on on Friday evening. Do any of the players on this list, should we be watching two or three or four with more intent eyes and eyes more kind of trained on what they could do come main camp, which starts next week? And I think... The unanimous name that we'll start with, because I think both you and I would be on the same page, and probably anybody listening who's who's listening either live or on the podcast right now would say the same thing. It's Matt Coronado. He's the only guy with an NHL game under his belt on this uh, rookie camp roster. He's a first-round pick, and he's a player that there was a lot of hype surrounding when he decided to come out after his sophomore year uh, going back to April. So or I guess it was March when he made his decision. He's he's the guy that kind of heads the list for, I would imagine, everybody when looking at this
0: group, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're handicapping this and, and betting on which guy on the Calgary Flames rookie camp roster has a chance to be in the lineup October 11th against the Winnipeg Jets, Matt Coronado is, you know, throw down a dollar and you might win a dime kind of deal. He, right. He is far and away the most likely he, he's the whatever you want to call it he's the front runner I, I think minus he minus
1: thousand odds wow whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> are you are you taking it uh that one that one might bet a thousand to earn a hundred I might uh you might pass I on might that might one on. those are those are that's a tough
0: sports book my goodness hey listen I'm not the best bets guy I just uh I just dabble Ooh. I just dabble in handicapping here
1: flames talk best bets do we get a year two I have no idea. Give fingers crossed, call. baby. Fingers crossed.
0: Matt Coronado is the guy off that roster that I think is probably more likely than not to be on the Calgary Flames opening night roster. And it put some pressure on him in Penticton in the sense of, I'm not sure what Matt Coronado can necessarily do to make you feel better about him. It, and by that, I just mean you expect him to dominate this tournament. You expect him, and I'm not saying dominate, like go score four goals a game, but you expect him to be one of the best, most noticeable players on the ice in every game. And I think it would be more worrisome for the Flames if he wasn't. And so there is some pressure there. Don't get me wrong. If he has a rotten showing at the young stars, he's still going to get a long look in training Mm -hmm. camp to sort of change the narrative. But there is some pressure there to really set himself off on the right foot.
1: Well, and especially because he looked good in game 82 and then he goes to the world championship and he looks good in the, in the red, white, and blue. And, and so there was a lot of, there's a lot of things that trend in the right direction with Matt. And there's a lot of things that would lead you to believe that, yeah, there's, there's reason to look forward to. And, and so, maybe this is unfair of me, but I go into main camp thinking to myself, you know he's gonna have to play himself out of a spot on the opening day roster or in the opening night lineup because when I look at this team, Matt Coronado fills a void that they they really don't uh, they don't have anybody that can do what he does. And what I mean by that is they don't have any right shot scoring threats to put on the right wing. They just don't, right because Elias Lindholm's your number one center. And I love what Walker Doer brings, but I don't know if we're ready to put Walker Dewar under the, you know, into the top six without without hesitating. If you're looking for a scoring threat that plays on his strong side on the right side, it's it's Matt Coronado and nobody else right now on this team. So for that reason, I look at it and I say to myself, yeah, like he he has got there is a spot there that is tailor made for him to take. I think the Flames will and should give him every opportunity to take that, and I think that he'll be playing from a good, um, an advantageous spot and not playing from behind the eight ball or or going to camp behind the eight ball. I don't think that they would ever come out and say this, but I think there's a good chance the Flames look at it and say, this spot is yours yours to lose, so don't go lose it.
0: Yeah, And, and I would go one step further and put a name on it that's Tyler Toffoli's 100%. spot. 100%. Yep. And maybe not Tyler Toffoli's spot in the sense of you're starting on the first line in the opening week of the season, but when you talk about a shortage of right-shot guys with a natural goal-scoring ability, well, in an offseason that didn't have a lot of change, what's the biggest thing you lost? A right-handed winger with scoring ability.
1: Who just happened to be your leading scorer last year. Who game.
0: just happened to be your leading scorer and you have not replaced him. And I don't think the plan was ever to replace him, but that's that's Matt Coronado's spot. And somewhere in the top nine, I'm sure his name is penciled on a board somewhere. This is a guy that we really need to come in here and prove he's ready to be an NHLer. And I just think everyone, Matt Coronado included, would gain some confidence by seeing him go out there and Look like the best player on the ice against a bunch of junior age, potentially minor league, some tryout defensemen, yep. right? Yeah, go. It, it's it's a lot to ask. These are all good hockey players, but you want Matt Coronado to look like he's at another level because that other level is the NHL in October.
1: Yep. Yep. And and you want like this in a lot of ways isn't all that different from some of the competition that he would have seen at the world championship. And, 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 you know, you're going to have some high end prospects because there's going to be some good names. And, and, you know, the, the thing that's interesting about this you say, well, is it, is it preseason pace? Not really, because this is the type of event that, you're talking about, when you take a look at this roster for the Flames, yeah, you've got drafted players, you've got first-round players, you've got all of that, but you also have a bunch of guys who are looking to make a name for themselves. And and not in the, you know, slap shot type of way where they're trying to make a name for themselves by being idiots, but they're trying to show Craig Conroy and Trent Call and Ryan Huska and the rest of this this hockey ops staff, they're trying to, to show them that, hey, I, you need to sign me to an American League contract, or you need to sign me to an entry-level deal. Let me go back to junior, but make me part of the organization. And so you're going to see competition that is a whole... Like, these three games are far more entertaining than games one through oh, eight goodness. of the preseason. <laughs> but listen to all the preseason games right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. That'll Absolutely. Be, they'll be great. But from a straight-up entertainment standpoint, these games in Penticton, they, they, they are played at a high pace, and and there's actual competitive juices flowing. It's not just going through the motions. So I think that'll be good for Coronado too.
0: Yeah, and I think back to one of the sort of storylines at the end of development camp in July was Craig Conroy relaying to us that Jerome McGinley had been really impressed and, and had passed on to Matt Coronado just outside the locker room in a quick conversation, really impressed by his work ethic and the fact that Although he was the best player on the ice, he, he's not cutting corners. He wasn't maybe cheating some of the yeah. drills. He, he wasn't cruising by on the merits of being a first-round selection and arguably the top prospect that the organization has. It, it, certainly the top forward prospect, I think, would be fair at this point. And so I think back to that because that's exactly what you're going to want to see from Matt Coronado in Penticton. Don't, you know, don't be dipsy doodling around a tryout defenseman because you can. And then taking the next shift off, you expect him to be the guy who sort of drives the pace for the Calgary Flames. You expect him to be the guy who leads by example. You hope that he puts a few in the back of the net. And that could really give him a boost of confidence going into main camp. Yeah. And, and I think if I can just yeah, jump yeah, in real quick there. I think you're absolutely right that what he did at Worlds should have given him a springboard into this camp. He should be confident already. He went out there with a team of a bunch of college guys and NHL guys, and and he was an important part of that Team USA at Worlds. Oh, yeah,
1: he was almost a point-per-game player playing with men and against men for the first time in his career regularly. I, I I that was a really promising spring for Matt Coronado and especially kudos, as a centerman. And kudos to Craig, Exactly. Kudos to Conroy for getting him on that team. I know how, I know how hard Conroy pushed that cuz he was an AGM at Team USA. I know how hard Conroy pushed. Yeah. Yeah, what about this uh Coronado guy? <laughs> uh what you want to get him on the team. He'd be good for us. You, you think, think that Craig? C- we get it. We get it. We you Think that came up on one of the Zoom calls? Uh I think it may have. Yes. Um, It's good insight, but it was it was the right call. They had room um because yeah they, they sent out invites and and you know more established some of the more established NHL names weren't able to go or decided not to go and so there was a, a wide open spot for Matt Coronado and he's coming off a really good college career he has an NHL game under his belt you've got a member of management vouching for you so why wouldn't you put him on the team and it worked out really well it was huge for Matt he was great uh and had a great tournament and it worked out well for team USA because he He was a big part of their success and they had a fairly successful tournament, all things considered, especially when you look at that roster and and how inexperienced it was. They did good things. So it was, um, it, it was a, it was a big stepping stone for him. So let me put you on the spot here. Yeah. Just in case anyone's
0: sick of hearing us agree about Coronado. If you go to the next line on the betting odds, most likely rookie camper to appear in the NHL this
1: season. Who you got? Yeah, it's uh it's a guy that I've been thinking a lot about pretty much since they drafted him in the first round and and it's it's Sam Honteck. You know, I read a, an interesting article out of the province over the weekend about maybe the Giants, Vancouver Giants using him at center as opposed to using him and talking about him as a winger. We're going to, uh, we're we're attempting, do I believe tomorrow we're going to be able to chat with the head coach of the Giants and talk a little Sam Hunzak and more with him. But yeah, I just, with how deep this draft was and everybody for years talked about the 2023 NHL draft class as the deepest class that we've had in more than a decade. And so if that's the case, and he's a top 16 pick in this deep draft class. And people say him that first round picks from you know 20 to 30 would be top ten picks in other years. I start thinking to myself, okay, well, if that's the case, and I know how excited Todd Button and Craig Conroy at all were when Hanzek was still on the board for them to make that selection at sixteen. I say to myself, is it completely out of the question that he could at some point make this an interesting conversation in camp. And maybe that conversation doesn't go all the way through to him playing NHL games or, or getting a nine-game look or anything like that. But maybe after six or seven preseason games, Sam Hansick is still here. He scored a couple times in the preseason, and we're saying to ourselves, you know, could they? Could they give him a look? And And maybe it just makes more sense for them not to, but that's the guy that I'm really interested in, seeing what the conversation looks like, in three or four weeks. When when we're near the end of camp, when we're down to like 28 people, is Sam hanzek still one of the names on that list?
0: I, I know everybody groans when they hear this because you hear it probably too often, but the Flames had him pegged as a top 10 pick in this draft. Yep. And I, I know, listen, I've heard it every year. Oh, we didn't think we were going to get him there, but the Calgary Flames going into the, 2023, as you said, a vaunted draft class for years and years, the Calgary Flames had this guy as a top 10 talent. And that speaks to what they obviously think he could be capable of. You and I, and I think anyone listening is well aware of the excitement level around the Saddledome about Sam Honzek I guess this is something that we'll learn about Craig Conroy. Brad Treleving was really really hesitant to put a 18 year old into a, an NHL scenario. Yep. He just did not think it was best for a player's development. Now we saw his mind changed a couple of times most recently with Matthew Kachuk, but he went out of I, I shouldn't say went out of his way, but he didn't want to he didn't want to push an 18-year-old too fast. And so they were almost always going back to junior. And I I guess what I'm trying to drive at is we'll see if Craig Conroy thinks any differently. We'll see if Craig Conroy thinks, especially as part of his youth movement at the Saddle Dome, whether Sam Honzek could be just as well served by a short, perhaps stint in the NHL this season, as he is going back to Vancouver and being the first line center for the Giants and, being the driving force for a Western Hockey League team. And I'm not sure there's a wrong answer. I guess it depends on where a player's at in his stage of development. It's kind of all on the player, right? I think so. But I guess we'll find out if, if Craig Conroy might be a little more open to it. Because not only have we seen those guys rarely make the team, we've seen them rarely stick around very long. It was pretty quick back to junior. Hey, go, you know, get down. WHL, OHL, whatever season's about to start, go have a dominant junior season. Yeah. Is it different with Sam
1: Honzek? It's probably up to him, and it starts in Penticton. What, uh, what about you? I, I, I actually I quite like, I know which way you're going. I, I, I thought about it when uh, you brought this topic up in our little pre-show chat. He, he was uh, the next one for me, too.
0: Yeah, the the one that sticks out for me and I wouldn't have him playing NHL games at the start of the season, but I don't think it's far-fetched that he could at some point and that's Jeremy Poirier. He was on the AHL's all-rookie team. I believe put up 41 points this past season in the AHL as a rookie, uh rookie defenseman, just turned 21 in June. We're talking about a young guy here, but I'm really fascinated by
1: 41 points in 69 games, by the way.
0: Yeah. Not too not too bad at all for a twenty year old playing in the second at the second level. And so I we all talk about his offensive instincts. And this is a guy when he reaches the NHL is gonna quarterback power plays. He's gonna be one of those prototypical puck movers. I'm I'm curious how quick he can accelerate because I wonder what it does to the conversations at the Saddle Dome as it pertains especially to Noah Hannafin, and some of the other UFAs. There there is not an opportunity today for a defenseman to crack that top six.
1: Especially with Shillington coming back.
0: Absolutely. But
1: if Jeremy
0: Poirier goes to Penticton and has a really strong performance, if he comes into main camp and looks like a guy who's knocking at the door, it might change how willing you are to move a guy and I think, and, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically of Noah Hannafin, I think it could potentially change what you're asking for. If you think Jeremy Poirier is not that far away, maybe you don't need a defenseman back in that deal. Maybe if you're moving out a couple of your pending UFA defensemen, you're actually trying to keep a spot open for a guy who looks like he might be close. And when Jeremy Poirier gets the NHL, he's not going to be without some defensive faults. He He's a guy much like Oliver Shillington who is going to have to kind of find his way yep. as it pertains to using his skating ability to defend. He's not a huge guy, but the offensive skill set is really, really appealing. You know, I, I looked it up earlier today. So you said 41 and 69 games, that's yep. 0.59 points per game in the A. That, far exceeds what Rasmus Anderson or Oliver Shillington did at rook did sorry as rookies at that level. Rasmus Anderson jumps to zero point seven in his second season in the A, that's when he gets called up. And so not saying they're similar players, but if Jeremy Poirier is on a similar offensive trajectory, he's gonna get a shot sooner than later.
1: Well you know what I like about him is that he has no illusions as to where he is. I remember I talked to him early on last year down at Windsport and then I we spoke with him on you know once the Wrangler season had come to an end and in both cases like he's very open with like Oh, I know my, I need, I need to work on my defensive game. He knows that that's an area that he is lacking. He knows that there needs to be, he needs to work on video. He needs to, he needs to really work on his instincts and talk to other defensemen who can help him along. It's why having a guy like Michael Stone in the organization is, is going to be really important for this group. And, and so, especially for the defensemen. So I, I and I like the fact that there's no, like oh no, I'm ready for the NHL now. And I've got no flaws and, I know I need to work on my defensive game. Right. I know that, and and he knows that he needs to do that while not taken away from the natural instincts and ability that he has. That is Ray Edwards has said many times. You just can't teach some of the things that he does. You can teach some things to round out his game. I don't think we're ever going to be talking about Jeremy Poirier, the shutdown defenseman in the NHL, but. You cannot be a liability out there, and that's what he's going to have to work on at the highest level.
0: And one of the biggest complaints that I always heard when picking the brains of the development staffers or or Jeremy Poirier's coaches is there was a a thought out there that he was a little too laissez-faire with his defending sometimes, that his competitiveness was not where it needed to be, that he didn't. He just didn't look that invested in the defensive part of the game. And I haven't heard that recently. I think that is a message that really hit home yep. with Poirier. It's something that he really took to heart in his first AHL season. We Listen, we know Mitch Love was not shy to point out the expectations. Yep. And so I think the fact, and you and I both would have watched a lot of Wranglers playoff games, there were some tight games, especially in that series against Coachella Valley, that Jeremy Poirier was on the ice in the last minute or two. And that tells me a lot. Because you've got guys like Nick DeSimone, you've got guys at that level, Christians, Rubens, you, you have older players that you could have relied on more in those circumstances. And I think the fact that Jeremy Poirier had muscled his way into that conversation is, yep. is really important. Offense is going to be what gets them there. But he has to be able to defend well enough to also ensure that his offensive gifts don't go to waste. And everything I hear is that he's getting closer to doing that.
1: Uh, Before I hit the text line, when's the last time that a Flames player went through, either it was Penticton or the little, remember for a little while they didn't go and they did the little two-game set, rookie game set with the Oilers. Right. And used that rookie camp as an opportunity to really vault themselves into main camp? Would it be Dylan Dubé in 2018? Is he the last one? That's the last guy that I can remember kind of using rookie camp as a real springboard into making a case for himself at the NHL level. You know, the one that
0: Strikes me as a little more recent, and I'm trying to remember the circumstances of it because it would have been just coming out of some of the COVID shutdowns. But I remember, at least I think I remember, driving up to Edmonton for a rookie game between the Flames and Oilers. Yeah. And by far the best of the Flames on the ice was Walker Doerr. And...
1: That was 2021.
0: Is that right? Yeah. So he signs at the end of the 2021 sorry signs at the end signs of the at the end, end of the 56 game college season or
1: didn't he sign at the end of the 56 game season
0: I thought he signed right into the pandemic
1: okay maybe he did no you're thinking of um you're thinking of Connor Mackey okay and uh, doer was a year later I think Dewar was a year later you're thinking of Connor Mackey and um, um Colton Pullman who signed right as the pandemic was beginning.
0: Yeah, you're on to something now. So, Walker Dewar had essentially been up and played a couple games with the Stockton Heat, then based in Calgary. It was at rookie camp the next season, his first full pro season, that I thought he sort of announced his arrival. He was not a guy who was anticipated to really be a factor in terms of an NHL call-up in his first pro season. And then, you know, he used a really strong performance. I remember in that rookie game, parlayed that into main camp, suddenly became one of the surprise stories, made his NHL debut in, I believe, November, November of that yep. year. Yeah. And so that would be the guy who sticks out to me as a guy who, who maybe made a name for himself a little bit in those rookie contests. Dubé is a good one too, though. I I remember watching Dylan Dubé in Penticton and just thinking, holy jumping, this guy is fast. And not just fast in doing drills at development camp, but fast in game action and and how he was able to use that to his advantage. I, I remember being really impressed.
1: Text line, this says, uh, safe to say the team doesn't have any blue chippers. Like, not one player screams top liner. Maybe Hanzek. Coronado doesn't seem like a good enough skater top end talent. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people who think Hanzek is a bonafide top six potential top line player. I don't know if that's what Coronado is long term. I don't know if we're talking about him as a top line right winger, but I think he projects his... Top six ceiling as well. So do they have um do they have a Connor Bedard in the system? No, they do not. But they've 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 started to stock things up a little bit better. I think that Poirier, uh Moran, um, there there's all of a sudden some intriguing talent that you look at and say, okay, there's there's some nice ceilings that this that this group could potentially hit with some of these guys. Yeah, and and
0: I think it's certainly possible that a Hanzeck or a Coronado could be a top line talent. Mm -hmm. Is, is that an obvious projection at this point? No, but as the ceiling, I think it's a possibility. Yep. Now you don't necessarily get blue chippers in the middle of the NHL, the middle of the first round of the NHL draft, but I, I like the way those two specifically are trending and, I think they could really show something in Penticton and into main camp that would make you feel even better about what they might eventually be at the NHL level. And and when I say eventually, with those two specifically, we're talking sooner than later.
1: Yep. Uh, This from Matt and Cochran. I'm pretty interested to see... uh, Good town. Pretty interested to see Hansek because he's the fresh face I haven't seen outside of draft day highlight package. Uh, This from Mick who says uh, Coronado should dominate at the American League level before being given a spot. He'll develop faster and be a better player long-term if he goes to the AHL. If he proves he's ready, then bring him up. He did look good against San Jose and may be very close. Coronado's close. Hansek's a hard no. Don't rush the kid. Uh, this says Poirier has already shown an incredible capacity to learn and grow. His defensive choice making last year in the AHL was already so much better by the end of the season. I think he'll develop so well at the pro level. I think that's a very, very um, fair text. I think there's, I think mixed text is fair as well. And then finally, are the prospects games watchable this weekend? The answer is yes. They'll all be on uh, Flame's website, YouTube, and here on Sportsnet 960.
0: Let me just uh, get 15 seconds in on one other name you mentioned, because yeah, I think Flames fans are really going to... I think you're going to want to watch Etienne Moran. I think you're... For I a, know I do. For a player who is also kind of... His calling card is offensive. This is a guy with a really high competitive level. This is... Like, I was amazed by how hard he was defending in development camp. I was amazed by how aggressive he played in that scrimmage. And so that's another guy that I I think you're going to want to keep keep an eye on. HM around their second round pick in
1: 2023. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. 2023 Tim Hortons. NHL Heritage Classic is October 29th. There are tickets still available. New tickets have been released for purchase on a first-come, first-served basis while supplies last. Or you can listen to the big show all next week with uh, Matty Rose and George Russick, and uh, they'll have a pair of tickets to give away to the Heritage Classic each and every day that's starting next week. Or if you want to secure yours and not play it by chance. You can go to Ticketmaster.ca slash Heritage Classic. One more time, Ticketmaster.ca slash Heritage Classic to secure yours now. You're locked on Flames Talk, Only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Alright, this hour rolls on on a Monday. Steinberg and Wes along with you. Uh, Mr. Gilbertson has uh, written a nice little story over the post-media publications and uh, online venues on Elias Lindholm. Why would you be writing about him? What is what is happening with Elias Lindholm? Why is he a topic that you felt like you needed to write about at the Sun and Herald today?
0: You know, buddy, I just did I uh, have all the different players on a wheel, you know, spin to win style, mm-hmm. and, and I just thought, you know, who should I write about today? No reason whatsoever. I'll just spin the wheel here, and um, came up Elias Lindholm. So I figured... Hey, well, what what's new with him? Or maybe more, what's not new with him?
1: What is the, uh, what is the, I've read the story, so I know, but I'll ask anyway. Uh, what is the premise of your latest? Uh, available on the Herald and Sun websites right now uh, on this Monday. It's, it's, I think, one of the most important premises of training camp for this team is, you know, the, the Vickers and I did it last week. The whole dilemma and back and forth and debate when talking about what's best for the Flames on the Lindholm front and what's best for the player. And is this, is it better for the Flames to sign them? Is it better for the Flames not to sign them? And all the reasons that lead to the fact that we still don't have an answer on either side on September
0: 11th. Yeah. And that, that's what I, I guess wanted to dig in a little bit more on today is just, Just the things to consider on both sides of of this equation. I I guess some sort of questions that come up for me in in terms of, okay, here here we are on September 11th, the Calgary Flames report for training camp next week, and their biggest piece of off-season business is not done. They have made it very clear, starting with general manager Craig Conroy, that the priority this summer was to get Elias Lindholm name on a long term contract extension and that's not done and so it's really just digging in a little bit on what why why, yeah. why is it not done why would the flames want to get it done what if it doesn't get done just just a few questions that i guess spring to mind on what is going to be the hottest topic of the Flames golf tournament, the hottest topic of the Flames' first day of training camp. Quite frankly, for me, the hottest topic around the Saddle Dome until there's a resolution.
1: Yep. Uh, By the way, so it's basically a, hey, here's five questions. What's the right price? Why is it taking so long? Um, The whole idea of the potential of another guy straddling 30, on a long-term contract that'll take him into his late 30s? Lindholm will be 37 when an eight-year contract would expire. Uh, how would you replace him if they don't sign him? And can you still maximize his trade value? Those are the five questions that you've asked. What What's the one of those, of those five considerations, what's the one that um, you wrestle with the most right now? You know, the one that we really
0: don't know the answer to is what's the holdup? We know that Elias Lindholm received a contract offer from the Flames basically around the time that he was eligible to sign. I I know there were conversations around the NHL draft. He could have signed something as as soon as July 1st. And so we know that there's been an offer on the table for Elias Lindholm. And, And I guess I'm curious, as I put it in the piece, whether the lack of progress sort of hints at any hesitation on his part. That That's a question that Elias Lindholm is going to be asked in his first media availability. Now, we all talked about a comment he made to a Swedish outlet earlier this month that he was willing to stay in Calgary. And I think that really divided the fan base. There were a lot of people who said, okay, few." that shows that Elias Lindholm's ready. If, if it's just about money, they'll figure it out. And I think there was a portion of the fan base, understandably, that said, well, willing to stay and wants to stay are two very different topics. This does not make me feel any better about whether Elias Lindholm wants to be in Calgary. And I'm curious what the holdup might be. And listen, there's lots of potential reasons for it. Does he, and I know you and Vix talked about this on the show last week, does he just want to see proof that the atmosphere around the Saddle Dome is different after Daryl Sutter's dismissal. Does he want to see what this sort of fresh start looks like at the Saddle Dome? Does he want to see that they can contend? Is, is he a guy who is thinking similar to Michael Backlund? He's not as old, but is he a guy thinking, geez, I, I don't want to miss the playoffs again next season. I, I want to see that this can be a good team. It Maybe he's thinking, and and this is his right, Maybe he's thinking about the perks of living or raising his family in another city. Mm-hmm. And maybe he just wants the flames to sweat it out a little and sweeten the pot. Maybe this is as simple as a negotiation tactic, but that to me is the one we really don't have the answer to. If there's been an offer on the table for two plus months, why hasn't
1: there been any progress? Yep. A great, it's, and it, it's one of the great mysteries and, I don't, I know there are many who begrudge lind not many, but there are some who begrudge Lindholm and the Lindholm camp for not giving the flames an answer to which I, I I say, look, I mean, organizations will nickel and dime and use every piece of leverage they have to get a player at the best value they can, because that's good business. So why can't a player then do what's good for him? And you know what? Not showing your hand and not putting all your cards on the table a year before free agency is part of how you use your leverage. And so, I don't think Lindholm's doing anything wrong in not giving them a firm answer. Maybe it could very well be and I knowing knowing Elias knowing Elias like i do my good friend no i mean look i mean Elias is not a guy that lets uh, a lot of people in and certainly not idiots like us but just my read and what i i know about him from others like i i don't i don't think this is a guy that necessarily knows exactly what he wants to do still i really do believe he is coming to camp to see what it's going to be all about and that's going to be part of this life-altering decision, whatever way it ends up going. So I I guess my point is he's well within his rights to, there's no, he does not have, you can come up with a deadline. You listing can come up with a deadline. Craig Conroy or Murray Edwards can come up with a deadline and he can say, that's a really neat deadline. I, I don't have to follow it. I can make my decision. My deadline is July 1st. I can make my decision whenever the hell I want and he should be allowed to. And so I don't think that he's doing anything wrong, but I do think that it makes it more difficult on the Flames to plan your long-term when you don't know. And so it makes, it's, it's, it's why the last point, and we got to wrap up, but I I, I really want to hammer this and then you get last word. But the last point of your last consideration is all about can they still get trade value for them? I do think whether they take it right until the 11th hour on trade deadline day, I still think that they are very much in the pocket from now until the end of February of getting a home run deal if they end up trading him. I do think whether it's now, November, or February, they'll be able to hit an absolute grand slam on a Lindholm trade if they end up having to make it.
0: What what you need to hit that Grand Slam is at least two contending teams. If you do get to the point that you decide we have to trade him, you need two contending teams that are essentially in a bidding war, two or more for his services. And then you can hit a home run. I, I just, if I'm Craig Conroy, I'd be worried that in season when teams that are rolling are really hesitant to sort of mess with their chemistry. And that does not mean Elias Lindholm is some sort of bad apple. He's the exact opposite. He'd fit just fine in a locker room, but you're as a contender, you're a little careful about changing your mix. You don't have a window to maneuver with the salary cap. It has to be set by the end of that day. And so I wonder about that, but I think you're right. I think they can still maximize trade value. I, I just, I think Craig Conroy's taking a chance. I applaud his patience, but if Elias Lindholm ultimately box, he's put the general manager in a really tough spot. Yep.
1: And Craig knows it. Craig knows oh, it. Absolutely. <laughs> he knows he's in a tough if spot. If I can just throw one more yeah. thing
0: in, because I think you're right. Like, Elias Lindholm using his leverage, that that's well within his right. I think what makes the next couple of weeks so fascinating for me is that now that he's back in Calgary, he'll get a sense of what his future means to everybody in this city. Yep. He's in Sweden in the offseason. You know, the contract comes up when he looks at his iPhone and says, oh, geez, Connie's phoning me again. But everywhere he goes... In Calgary, people are going to want to know if Elias Lindholm is staying. And I think now that he's back at camp, that we're going to have daily media availabilities, I think that is going to give us a real true sense. Because if Elias Lindholm answers those questions, if he's talking to teammates about it, talking to fans about it, and he still isn't sure about signing, that's a potentially scary sign. Yep.
1: Uh, we got to bounce this hour. He's Wes Gilbertson on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson, back for another year on Flames Talk. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor, Cam, our producers this hour. And this hour of Flames Talk's been coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. DL basement y. Visit DLBasementSystemsCalgary.com.